Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. and welcome to the Proactive Caregiving Podcast. As a CPA with over 20 years as an industry accountant, Jessica stepped away from the corporate world to become a full-time caregiver for her mother. Having learned invaluable lessons along the way, she is now here to share those with you and to invite you to join her on this caregiver's journey. Here is your host, Jessica Cannon. Hello, everybody. I'm so glad you're here with me today. I am the Proactive Caregiver, and I specialize in educating others on how to be proactive by empowering you, the caregiver. If you cannot take care of yourself, then you cannot take care of your loved one. So today, we're going to talk about caregiver spirituality with my guest, Simone Smith. Simone is a dear friend of mine and fellow caregiver that I was blessed to meet a few years ago when she stepped into our home as one of mom's senior companions. I felt so much peace on the days she came to visit, not just because she was relieving me for a couple of hours to recharge, but because she spoke of her life in such a way it helped me to refocus my faith at times. Because many of you may experience caregiving has the potential to create moments that distract us from living those purposeful journeys. The interesting thing to me, and it makes more sense now after these years of knowing Simone, is that Simone's healthcare journey actually began at the early age of 15 when her first job was in a nursing home. There she found a passion for caring for seniors and those with disabilities. As a junior in high school, she received a certification as a nurse assistant. From this early age, a long fulfilling journey of caring for people from all walks of life was born. Now, being a mother of a teenage son with Down syndrome, she already understood the importance of compassion and faith-based intentions. Simone has over 20 years of healthcare experience that includes geriatric care, oncology, rehabilitation, dementia care, hospice, and various other special needs. In 2011, Simone founded a Kingdom Women Walking in Victory ministry. As a self-proclaimed victory strategist to women, she knows exactly how to help women turn their defeat into victory. Since then, her spirit-led journey has helped her focus on writing and publishing two books. The first is titled From Defeat to Victory, The Victorious Woman Journal. This led her in 2018 to launch From Defeat to Victory Services, where she offers life coaching, online classes, spiritual mentoring, and workshops. Her second book, titled Flaws, Five Steps to Radical Self-Care, will be released soon. Simone's spiritual guidance took her as a native from St. Louis, Missouri to Austin, Texas, long enough for us to meet. 
Thankfully, her caregiving journey has given Simone an unshakable faith. She was then guided to Houston, Texas, shortly thereafter, where she currently resides with her new husband, Alan. She is the mother of two boys, has three bonus daughters, and two bonus grandchildren. So thank you so much for coming on with me today, Simone. I really appreciate it. Jessica, oh my God, I have tears in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I am literally about to cry. Aww. Thank you so much for the introduction, allowing me to look into myself and mm -hmm. all that God has done. And thank you for inviting me to your podcast today. Absolutely. You know, when you and I had a conversation, a so brief conversation the other day, it was just one of those spiritual guidances. I had been thinking about you and when you called and we actually had a chance to talk, I thought, oh my goodness, that is a podcast. Just listening to you and hearing how your spiritual guidance and the transformative processes you have been going through, it just resonated so much with me. Um, so I just, I had to, we had to do this. <laughs> wow. I'm excited. So before we go into some of the other details I mentioned, we wanted to kind of let people know that years ago when mom was living with me, I needed some additional help. And one of the services we went through, that's how it came to be where I was blessed and was fortunate to meet you. And since then, we've been able to stay in touch. And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm glad because even though mom's memory is not as good, you, you touched me and my, my heart in such a way that I want other listeners to hear and understand because you have become such a great example of what it means to walk authentically in this life and what faith-based life looks like. Yes, wow. You know, God is so awesome. And I can say that during the time I was caring for your mom, which was such a such a blessing for me. You have no idea. Mm. Um, it was definitely a faith walk. Um, at that time, as you know, I was going through a, no, I had divorced, mm -hmm. recently divorced. And so at the time when I began caring for your mom, before that, I was actually working at a pretty decent job. And one night I was working night shift, which is kind of what I've done um, the last few years when married to my ex-husband, he kind of worked days. I worked nights because we were raising, you know, boys, right. school-age children. And so I divorced, and of course, things changed. Mm -hmm. I was living in the city. I didn't have family. I had a few people that I kind of met in the community and that was a support to me, but I didn't have any family. And I knew that going back to St. Louis was not what I was supposed to do. And so I was working this night job and uh, it kind of worked for a minute, but I can remember my last week I had this feeling of I cannot keep working nights. Yeah. It was one night I sat and I didn't have any other job 
and I wrote a letter, my letter of um, resignation. Wow. And um, I just knew that I had to do it. And I sat there, I wrote in that letter of resignation. Shortly after that, I left the job. And so it was the job offer that I had with, uh, I hadn't been in home care in so long, but it was such a humbling experience for me, um, even taking a pay cut, just doing what I had to do because mm-hmm. I just knew that I needed to be home with my kids. Right. And so it was your family that they connected me with and another family mm-hmm. that really kept me going and was a blessing to me. And it kept me encouraged. And so coming to play Scrabble with your mom and making her <laughs> coffee and having these conversations with her were like the highlights of my day. And so that that's kind of where I was in that moment. And so even to be here, mm-hmm. um, even on this call, further lets me know that God is in control and that he has always been in control. Yes. And so I didn't expect to be so full right now, but I am really, it just caused me to really reflect on some things and to see God's faithfulness. So yeah, that was a, that was a great time, a humbling time, but yet a great time for me. Absolutely. Talk about that leap of faith. I mean, most people stay tied to jobs because they can't imagine doing anything else or sometimes finding the next thing is a little bit more difficult, especially in recent times, but that was a major leap of faith to say, Lord, I'm jumping and I know you're going to catch me. (laughs) Yes. You know, my favorite scripture have always been Matthew 6 and 33. Seek ye first the kingdom and its righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And Romans 8 and 28, um, where it says, paraphrase and he works all things out for our good and I stand Mm -hmm. on those two scriptures through whatever I'm going through and so what I did know I did know that God had led me to Texas Mm -hmm. even though I had I I didn't see a divorce coming with that but God did and so I knew that I was right where I needed to be and so therefore I knew that if God if he was it he would not send you anywhere and not provide for you right and so I always stood on that and I and I continue to stand on that and so it's always my faith that keeps me going and you know one thing about God and truly living for him is that one thing leads to another Mm-hmm. And so if I had enough faith to move to another city, mm-hmm. surely I have to have enough faith to leave a job for the sake of my kids right. and trust God. And so, you know, that's, that's faith. You know, and that's why it was so important to me as we got to know each other and seeing how you were living your life and how strong and how firm you stood in your faith, because it made me really take that look back inside because I took that leap of faith and I left the corporate world, but I wasn't at that time, I wasn't the single mother that you were becoming. And so that leap of faith was also after being in the corporate world, doing the accounting for so many years, that was part of my identity. And so Mm -hmm. stepping away from that was so incredibly difficult and where I tried to find peace in, well, now I'm blessed with more time with mom there were so many moments that just 
I didn't understand when I first stepped into. So there was a lot of frustration, a lot of anger, a lot of disconnect and missing that identity that I stepped away from. But it's like you said, having that faith that where he leads you, if you're willing to go where he's leading you, then you can expect to have something far greater than you stepped away from. Absolutely. And, you know, as you said that, it makes me think about, you know, the identity. Mm -hmm. And so for me, my story is a lot different from yours. For me, you know, I I grew up in a really good home and all of that two-parent home and all of that good stuff. And like I said, I began working at an early age. Mm -hmm. And so my junior year, I can remember uh, I went to a technical high school. And so at technical schools, you know, they have these trades. Mm -hmm. And so the name, the word health occupation stood out to me. I had no idea that I was about to be certified as a a nurse's aide and, you know, I would be able to find a job. Most of my friends were working at fast food places and clothing stores. And so me getting that certification was a part of my credits. And so when I, I went to school, my junior year, I went to school maybe until maybe from 7.30 in the morning to maybe 10.30. And I worked evening shift. So I worked wow. like 2.30 to 10.30. Wow. And that was how I got my credits. And so I say that it was a good and a bad thing. Well, right. God worked it out for my good. It really wasn't good for me at that time mm-hmm. because I was young. I was making money that most of my friends were not making. You know, mm-hmm. there were so many opportunities as far as jobs. Um, I was really smart in school. I had scholarships. My my parents don't come from a college background, even though, you know, my dad always had, had a really good job, but they didn't come from that college background. So they didn't push me. It was kind of, you know, leaving things up to me. Mm-hmm. And so I was working a really decent job at my age. I was able to get things that I wanted, car, eventually I ended up getting an apartment. And so Nice. You know, I say it was good and bad for me because it kind of made me lazy to going away for college, even though I had some college, but I didn't graduate. But it put me in a, a work mindset, mm-hmm. you know, and so that was the downfall of it. Um, although it blessed me later in life, it still was a, you know, it was kind of a downfall early on because I didn't continue my education and things like that. And so when I did give my life over to to Christ, I came to him at a place where I had just been kind of going through trials of life and, mm-hmm. you know, just so many things happening, gave my life over to him. So at that, at that point, I didn't really have an identity, mm-hmm. you know, whereas maybe if I had went to college and got a certain degree, I could have been, you know, kind of wrapped up. And in that, but that wasn't my story. So I was looking for identity. That's kind of how my journey and my relationship with God started. And I didn't grow up like in a household where, you know, God was everything. I was an adult, you know, when I began to develop my relationship. And so I was kind of looking for identity. I was searching for who I was in him, who I was as a woman. You know, I came with um, 
feelings of regret of not going to college, you know, not having this and not having that. So I came to him with all of that, Mm -hmm. you know, and so like he always do, he kind of, he just worked those things out for my good, you know, and so I had to let go the feelings of feeling not accomplished and feeling as if I missed opportunities. I had to, I came to him and I had to let go of those feelings that were really holding me back and was causing depression in my life as an adult. So hopefully that makes sense to those that are listening and that can maybe relate. You know, and the way, what I hear from that is it's amazing how he connects us because what I've been seeing more recently is how God connects us with people, whether, you know, their strength helps our weakness and vice versa. And this, the idea of identity, you know, part of my struggle was being so ingrained in who I thought I was and who I was trying to make myself become. And so totally losing sight of who really is in control. And so that's why it's interesting to me that and I can totally see that, that how working at such an early age, yes, it instills so many skills, but you had some long hours for at that age to work. And, and mm-hmm. to me, it seems like it, he kept you safe. He was giving you early on skill set that was going to carry through the rest of your life and become part of his plan that he has for you and the lives totally. that he intended for you to touch and absolutely become that example for them because it is that thing you know when we talk to our sons about what are they going to do when they grow up and how to to manage their own lives you know there is that conversation that comes up of college military trade schools or you know finding their own way somehow somewhere and then we put those pressures on them of you got to find you something that gives you retirement and something that gives you benefits and something that gives you mm-hmm. all these kind of things. And, and when we go in pursuit of that, at least what I experienced, the first thing that kind of gets left in the rear view mirror is God's hands in my life and, and mm-hmm. our lives. And so it's, it's interesting now on this flip side, just seeing the, the similarities and the differences and how mm-hmm. he uses all of that to where we still came together and we still mm-hmm. were able to connect. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have to say that because I have had an opportunity of connecting with so many people on so many levels, mm-hmm. you know, just from working in the healthcare field, I have wonderful doctor friends, mm-hmm. wonderful nurse friends, wonderful, like all type of people, all types of walks of life. And so it's all of that that I see when I reflect and I'm like, God, wow, you are so good because all of those moments led me right to where I am, Right. you know? So it is, it is amazing how God works. And I think that's where the importance of purpose come in at. And, you know, even as parents, sometimes we don't do things totally right you know we do things trying to use our own understanding or whatever the case but you know we do have to be mindful that God do have a specific purpose for us Mm -hmm. and so 
oftentimes that purpose don't look like what we may have planned, exactly. you know, sometimes our purpose look like where is the most money, right. you know, where is the biggest retirement, mm -hmm. you know, and so um, those are things that purpose is what we have to keep in mind. And so I try to use all of those tools, even with my son, who express, he expresses a desire of wanting to go to college, my junior, I have my son with Down syndrome, he's a sophomore, and then my oldest son, he's a junior in, in high school. Nice. And so for me with him, I leave things open. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I tell him, I'm not making you this, making you do this. I'm not making you that. You can do whatever you desire to do. Pray, you know, mm -hmm. make sure you're doing what you feel is in your heart to do. And so my conversation with, with my son is a lot different. Mm -hmm. from the conversations that were had with me because right. ultimately I want him to follow the path that God has for him you know mm -hmm. and I tell him often you're not living a life to please me you're not living a life to please your dad or your grandparents you're living a life to please God and yourself absolutely you know and so always be true to yourself you want to go to college we're going to do all we can do to make sure you do you know, if you don't feel that's the thing for you, well, we're going to think about some other options, mm -hmm. you know. And so because I did come from a technical high school, my last two years of high school, I'm all for trade schools. I'm all yes, for trade. Exactly. Because college is not for everyone, mm -mm. you know. No. And me, me just going to being certified as a junior in high school really afforded me the opportunity to do so many things work with so many people you know and so I'm 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 grateful for that you know mm -hmm. and I can give God glory for that because like I said when I was searching for identity I was so depressed about oh I didn't do this and I didn't finish college and I didn't do that so that was those were my biggest darkest days mm -hmm. you know and so God reassured me that he's going to work things out for my good Absolutely. So what led you to um, write the book From Defeat to Victory then? From Defeat to Victory came about actually so when I gave when I gave my life over to God I was maybe late 20s. Mm. I'm 42. So mm. late 20s, I believe 2007 is when I completely rededicated my life. So I was saved where I became a believer early on, mm -hmm. but I didn't begin to really live for him until 2007. Mm -hmm. And maybe you can or cannot relate, but I remember at the time when I began living my life for God and I wanted to live right and I wanted to, you know, serve in church and do all of these things that I felt that I should be doing. And when you are what is considered a babe in Christ, mm -hmm. it's kind of intimidating mm -hmm. to come into a building. I mean, you see all of these people that look a lot more mature than you, you know, a lot more knowledgeable, a lot more, what's the word? Just more mature. Right. You know, and so I can remember that feeling of just really feeling like a baby and feeling like I don't really know the Bible and I don't know these things. And so 
God took that time, you know, he really began to grow me up. And so Mm -hmm. I came in feeling one way and you could probably relate. I stayed a while and then I realized that that wasn't the case. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's like, okay, God, what is this? What are you doing? You know, and so, you know, I just realized that these people that I saw as more mature, more advanced, more godly, Mm-hmm. I realized that that wasn't the case. And so for me, I mean, it was, I had such a heart to want to live for God. And I was so serious about my walk to the point where I was just devastated that that's what it was. And so, and I'm like, God, what is this, you know? And so instead of allowing that to discourage me, I re- remember the Lord saying to me, I'm going to use all of this. You know, and so because my attention was solely on him, Mm -hmm. I didn't allow myself to be distracted by the stuff around me. And so I used that time to get in my word. I served in the church. I served wholeheartedly. I prayed, you know, God, what do you want me to do? You know, I was in that stage. What do you want me to do? What do you Mm -hmm. want me to serve? You know, and so, um, He used that time to really grow me up and um, he was showing me how not to be, Mm. unfortunately. He was showing me how not to be and he was also showing me what was really missing in the body of Christ. And so this revelation came over, over a period of time because I was so discouraged many times, many weeks, you know, I was so discouraged. And so when he began to make that clear to me, I began to understand my assignment. And so my later years were a lot better than the beginning years because I was focused. I knew what God wanted me to do. I knew that there was purpose in it. And so I kind of walked out my own process of spiritual transformation. And at the end of the process, it was like it's got God said, "Okay, now go back and show other people how to do it. Mm-hmm. And so I can remember being in my car at this time I was working in hospice and I was a telecommuter. So I was in the car, spent a lot of time in the car. And so I was in the car and I would never forget. And I was, I was praying and I'm like, okay, God, how am I going to do this? And I can just remember him dropping in my spirit to write a book. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, write a book. And it was so strong. <laughs> I got out of my car. I parked at the nearest park. I got out of my car and I just remember like just praying in hell because this is years later. So I, it was 2007 when I joined the church. I wrote the book maybe in 2012 is when I wrote the book, although I didn't publish it until maybe a year or two later. Hmm. Because as soon as I put the last dot to it, as soon as it was done and I'm like, oh my God, finally, I'm thinking I was going to begin my book signings and this and that. And the Lord clearly was like, now you're going to focus on kingdom women walking in victory. At the time, it was Christian women walking in victory. Mm -hmm. And so as soon as I finished the book, that is when kingdom women walking in victory was born. Interesting. And so my women's ministry. And at that time... It was a group of women that was just kind of in my circle that witnessed my walk Mm -hmm. and they just kind of connected and joined in. And it was maybe eight or nine women. And um, that's how Kingdom Women Walking Victory started. So once I finished the book, 
sharing my part, my own spiritual process of spiritual transformation, mm-hmm. then I focus on kingdom women walking in victory. And helping and others. So. That's awesome. And that's, you know, when I think about what he, the moments I had, I had one woman that asked me, do you know what your purpose in life is? And I don't, I think I was like 39 at the time, 38 or 39. And at that point I was like, I honestly don't know. And she had asked me, why haven't you asked him yet? And I was like, I'm afraid of the answer. Because Mm. taking that leap of faith to walk Mm -hmm. in his steps or try to walk the, the, have a life in Christ is sometimes easier than it sounds. And sometimes it's harder than we expect. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so it's, it's beautiful that he worked with you the way he did and touched your heart in such a way that now you turn around and you help others who are maybe not walking the same exact walk of life that you have gone through, but similar situations Mm -hmm. that made them feel and have a lot of the resentment and regret that you had experienced Mm -hmm. and now seeing someone else survive in a sense or turn it around to be in a better way and a better light. That's Mm -hmm. what we look for. I think that's why we sometimes um, people fantasize or follow certain individuals that give them that kind of that sense of success or that sense of uh, knowledge but it's sometimes it ends up being the wrong way to go and the wrong thing or person to follow so having Mm -hmm. someone that provides that example is it's it's great you i can see now that part of his grand plan and how you fit in his grand plan absolutely absolutely so as you're going through this transformation in life I think, and this is another reason why I felt like we needed to have this conversation because you and I both had some major health issues this year. Mm-hmm. And it it's interesting because I didn't turn over my life in such a way until I was 40. I didn't choose to be baptized until I was 40. I kept thinking my parents baptized me and raised in a Catholic family. I was baptized at birth, so that means I don't have to do this. It was done for me. And so choosing this for myself was, it felt like that was the beginning of my transformation. Although it, yes. it wasn't, when I reflect on it, I feel like that wasn't the beginning. That was a very pivotal point in it that he's been chasing after me all my life, basically. And it took the change in health sometimes to really capture even more of my attention so what was happening for you earlier this year that kind of made created that pivotal point in your transformation so earlier this year um i was going through lots of physical symptoms um as far as just being fatigue as far as just having headaches and just female problems and Mm -hmm. um, becoming anemic. I've never been a sickly person um, at all. Just all of these symptoms that were coming up, it's like, what is going on with me? Mm -hmm. Going back and forth to my primary doctor, you know, running labs and tests and Mm -hmm. 
being told, well, it's not this, where you're fine. And I'll go back like, okay, now doctor, something is wrong. And so my last visit to my primary doctor, she referred me to a OB doctor to see if maybe I was dealing with fibroids. Mm. So because some other symptoms came up that made her kind of feel like, okay, now maybe this is this. And so she referred me to an OB doctor. Um, I made my appointment um, with her and we did the um, the ultrasounds and it was confirmed that I was dealing with multiple fibroids. Mm. And so of course it was that relief of finally knowing what's wrong and she, awesome doctor, God is so good. Her name is Dr. Peace. I'm giving her a shout out. Dr. Peace Nuego Banks is her name. Dr. Peace said it all for me. She gave me several options of how to go about it. She wasn't forcing me into having a hysterectomy or this, you know, if she was very supportive in whatever I wanted to do. So, of course, I wanted to try some things naturally first. Mm-hmm. Surgery was nowhere on my mind. Right. So, it was like, okay, well, if I have to change some eating habits to feel better, then I'm willing to do that. And so, um, I was trying all of these things. The changing of eating habits didn't work. And so, I tried another option of getting um, a, I believe, the Moreno, some type of birth control. And so this was going to be the next step that I was going to do. And so the day before I was, my appointment was scheduled, they called and canceled it because whatever they needed hadn't come in. Mm. And so they canceled it. I'm like, okay, you know, I was kind of excited and ready to get something going, but it's like, okay, whatever. So a friend called and when she called, I said, girl, I said, um, I had three appointments today and all of my appointments were canceled. And, you know, I was telling her about the Moreno. And as soon as I said that word, she said, don't do the Moreno. I was like, okay, well, so she kind of explained. She had just went through the same thing the year prior. Um, So she kind of explained some things. And so that was enough to make me feel like, okay, well, that wasn't meant to be. Mm-hmm. With that, I'm so I'm like, okay, God, what do I need to do? And so the hysterectomy kept coming into my spirit. And so I said, okay, God, please, I need to know what is the connection of a hysterectomy? Like what's that a spiritual meaning to that, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so I just kind of Googled it. And there was a blog that came up and that blog was just like my confirmation. Mm. And so in the blog, this lady, she was just um, just sharing her experience and symptoms that she was going through. Even during the time of my physical symptoms, I was all, I was also battling with things that happened in childhood, you mm. know, just family stuff. Like I was just going through like mentally, mm. I was emotional about so many things. And so she was kind of explaining this and she shared how her hysterectomy ultimately led up to her um, spiritual awakening process. And so um, that was just enough for me. That was my my confirmation. Mm -hmm. And so it was with that, I said, okay, I'm going to call the doctor and make an appointment and let her know that I'm deciding to have the hysterectomy. And so from reading that blog, making the appointment to actually going and telling um, my doctor that I was deciding to do the hysterectomy, I had so much peace. Mm-hmm. 
even my doctor was like, oh my God, you have so much peace. And I said, I do. I know that this is, this is for me. This is something that I need to do. We just kind of, I knew I had some things coming up that I really didn't want to miss. I had some things on a calendar. My, my retreat with KWWIB for one Mm -hmm. was at the end of July. My anniversary was coming. And so I'm like, you know, what what does the healing process look like? And so we just kind of talked about those things and everything just worked out perfectly (laughs) as far as my healing, as far as the retreat happened, it was successful. You know, my body, I'm feeling better and better every day. I have lots of weight gain, but I'm not even concerned about that. (laughs) I'm working on it. You know, my anniversary was was wonderful. And so it turned out to be the one of the best decisions that I could have made. And I was totally against having the hysterectomy. Mm. And so that's just one of those things where we have to trust God. And, mm-hmm. and when you can't get too many opinions, right? you know, and you have to kind of do what's best for you. That's kind of what I did. And it, and it worked out for me. It's and I'm so glad I did, you... which was hard. Yeah. Being a caregiver, mm-hmm. being a mom, being a wife, it was hard, but I definitely grew through that. You know, I had so much peace. I let things just kind of be, Mm-hmm. My husband stepped up, the boys stepped up. And so, you know, I don't have no, no complaints. I didn't allow myself to, I'm not going to say I didn't have my days. I'm not going <laughs> right, to say that. Right. I had my days. Mm-hmm. Uh, will you guys clean out the refrigerator? <laughs> <laughs> this is the day I clean the refrigerator. <laughs> but, you know, uh, it was good. And it was definitely another growth another mm-hmm. part of my growth process and spiritual um, transformation as well. I can, I say my second awakening, mm-hmm. it definitely pushed me into another intimate level with God, another level of trust, mm-hmm. trusting in him and not only trusting in him, but learning to trust myself. Right. That's big. Yes. That is very big. And it's interesting when no sooner you said that a minute ago, learning to trust in God, the the word trust came into my mind right as you were saying it just before, because Mm -hmm. that's part of this process. When you reach this beginning of your transformation or the beginning of your awakening for me, and I, I don't want to speak for you, but that that level of fear sometimes will surface and it pushes trust aside and trying to Mm -hmm. let go and not be in control of certain things. I mean, the, Mm -hmm. it's interesting because I had a similar with the surgery. I didn't want the surgery. I tried Mm -hmm. to find all kinds of ways uh, to get away from it and, and alternatives, workout regimens and other things, food, like you said, just things that would help me um, avoid surgery. And, when it came down to it, it was trust that the surgeon has knows exactly what there needs to be done and will be able to do it, and that the recovery will not be the the worst case scenario kind of things. You know, they they give you the risks mm-hmm. and because they have to inform you, and that adds to some of the fear. But it really comes back to the trust, trust in mm-hmm. his his way. I mean, and that's the tricky part of all of this. 
just like as uh, the caregiver stepping in, um, there's your loved ones are on a journey. They're on a journey that you have no idea which way it's going to go, but you have to trust that you're there at that point in time for a reason to do a specific thing. And then he'll bring you through, just like he brought you through the surgery after the fact. Absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> I totally agree. It definitely all comes down to trust. <laughs> yes. Because you, know, you don't know the outcome of the surgery. You don't know, you know, how your body is going to take it. You don't know, mm -hmm. you know, you just have so many questions. So it is that fear that can hold us back from making the decision that we need to make. Right. So I can only imagine that this is part of what, maybe not all, but part of what has contributed to your second book, Flaws, The Five Steps to Radical Self-Care. Because you definitely sounds like you were in search of and needing radical self-care at this point. Absolutely. And you know, the thing about it is that I thought because this book, this is a three-year process of writing this book. Wow. And so it started, of course, um, with my divorce. Um, and so it was that when I began my true self-love journey going through a divorce. And so that's how the book really came about. And so maybe last year, I, you know, I was, I'm, I'm working on the book and, you know, I'm like, okay, God, why is it so hard for me to get this book done? <laughs> and so by the end of 2020 is when I realized, okay, I need more self-care. Mm -hmm. Like I have to go to a whole nother level of self-care. I had that revelation at the end of 2020. And so 2021 is when things begin to kind of shake up, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, things were shaking up for me. And so it ultimately led me to a deeper level of self-care. <laughs> well, and so now I'm finally at that place where I can say, okay, now I see, now I get it. Um, I have more content. Mm -hmm. um, for the book and so I'm excited and I'm confident that I will soon be releasing um, the book. I'm going for my birthday, which is December 3rd to nice. be my release date. So not official, but that's what I'm pushing for. Right, right. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> Thank you. I know, I know. <laughs> so as you've gone through this process, uh, one of the things that we started to talk about was really digging into this spiritual transformation and finding the difference between, or at least feeling and experiencing a difference between being spirit led versus being religious. Mm. You want to touch mm, on that one for me? Well, I can, I can tell you this, <laughs> um, going through a divorce is a very difficult thing. Yes. And it's more difficult when you are religious and when you come from religious institutes and mm -hmm. when you are, you know, doing these, having these religious activities. Right. And so 
I was going through a divorce at the time. Uh, I mean, I, I'm an ordained minister mm -hmm. um, leading a women's ministry. That's two things right there. That's exactly. like, okay, what? <laughs> <laughs> that was the most difficult for me. And so I had to get to a place where I got to a place and it was like, okay, God, I don't need another opinion mm. from anybody. Yeah. I don't need another counselor. I don't need another, none of that. Yep. I need to know what you want me to do in this situation. And it's in that moment when God spoke a clear word for me, giving me confirmation of going forward with my divorce, because that was a hard thing when you're used to hearing God hates divorce, mm -hmm. you know, this and yeah. this and that. And so it was when God spoke to my heart and confirmed what I needed to do. And so from that, I went full speed ahead. And I think that started my journey of letting go of a, of a religious mindset. I didn't know at the time, but what I do know about myself is that I strive every day to please God and not people. And that him helping me through that situation and just seeing how he worked everything out in the in the my divorce situations helped me to really understand him more and not with a religious mindset. And mm -hmm. I lost some people in the process of it, you know, but when it was all said and done, I said, okay, people that know me, they know me. I don't have right. to explain myself to people that know me exactly. and those that question me or whatever the case may be just let them fall to the wayside and so that's what happened you know I moved on with my life and um and like I said it caused me to love God just even more and to see him in a more spiritual light and not a religious light he's bigger than yes. I hate divorce therefore don't divorce exactly he's bigger than that you know, and so that's that started my journey, uh, my spiritual journey. And from then on, um, just a multiple things, even right before the pandemic, God was dealing with me about some things as it relates to church and the building. And it was when the pandemic happened where it was confirmation of, OK, now you see what I'm talking about, <laughs> you know, because I was already in this space already with the church, and I don't want to get too much into it, it's a whole nother thing, but I was already in a, a particular space, and that just allowed me to see again how big God is. He's bigger than a building. Right. He's bigger than us going to a building every Sunday or a Absolutely. Bible study every Wednesday. He is so much bigger than that, and so, um, so that pushed me further into my journey so just all of these little things have just been pushing me further and further into trusting in him and him alone. Mm -hmm. And one thing I had to let go of, I had to get to the root of, okay, why is it so hard for me to make certain decisions? And, you know, and there was a time where I would say, I'm not a people pleaser. I'm not a people pleaser. But he began to show me how I was mm. a people pleaser. I was allowing other people's thoughts of me to dictate what I do. Right. And so this was early 2020 when he began to show me these things during the pandemic. And so 
I just allowed my time with him through the pandemic to really build me up um, and to really just strip some things away from me, religion being one of the things. And if you saw that post we conversated about, um, I had a mindset and I would say, oh, I hate religion. I hate religion. But Holy Spirit really did give me a new perspective. And, you know, he said religion is good for a time. But there is a time where we do have to grow up and trust in God. Sometimes you do have to rely and trust your pastor or trust your spiritual mentor or trust this one. But all of those people should be leading you back to God, a relationship with God. And in that relationship, you begin to, to grow and to mature and to make decisions on your own. Because ultimately, that's what it's all about. You know, we all have a different journey and there's a different route that we all must take, but the destination is the same. Right, right. And I love the way you say that because, ironically, I had been going through very similar struggles with this, and it's been throughout my life being raised a certain way in the Catholic Church mm-hmm. and watching them be one way in church and then be another way mm-hmm. outside of the church. And having friends who or coworkers or other people in life that didn't share exactly the same views, it, it creates a lot of inner turmoil and it does become that people pleasing because you want people to not you in general, but for me wanted people to like me or appreciate Mm -hmm. me or see me for who I am and still not go running, screaming or avoiding me because of who I was and this mm-hmm. spiritual transformation was so incredibly important because as the time as years went by it was like as I was ready and especially when I did uh, finally chose to be baptized it was like okay mm-hmm. the door's open she's now open mm-hmm. and ready and so all these things that she's been running from and hiding from and avoiding I'm just gonna let one thing after the other pop up and at one point it seemed like several things popped up all at once I was like, boy, is he really testing me now? But it was to show me the difference of no longer relying on a religious state and relying Mm -hmm. on the spiritual state and what that meant. And so, like, I've had moments where driving, and ironically, I didn't like the silence before. And so I was always going through the radio and switching songs and here and there. And then I got to the point where I would turn the radio off. And that was my quiet time with Jesus and have my conversations to and from work or to and from the grocery store and just like lay it out there. And I would feel so much better. And then I started realizing I could ask a question and then the answer would come in either that night or the coming days ahead or an event or something would happen that there's my answer. Mm-hmm. And it just kept circling back to that trust. And it was like, oh, I see a, this process building that here's a here's a, a scenario that I want to give you that you have to experience. And for me, that surgery, I don't know if this was the case for you, but it was that pivotal point that I see you, my child. I know you love me, but you're still not fully trusting in me. And it was like <sighs> life happened in such a way that I really had to trust either I'm going under 
and I'm not coming back <laughs> or I come back and life is, I don't have abilities that I thought I had or want to have for the rest of my life. But there was a level of trust that I really had to place there. And so that difference, and I see it more now, I reflect a lot more than I used to. And I can see more now how he has been pointing out more spiritual moments mm -hmm. and less rules and regulation through religion. Absolutely. And you know, I, I, I believe he gives all of us something, some type of opportunity, some mm -hmm. type of hardship, some type of, you know, all of these situations and circumstances that we have to face. It's all an opportunity yes. to trust God. Exactly. You know, on whatever level you are, you know, whatever level you're you're already on, it's a it's an opportunity, and so we we can experience that. I like to say that it's it's kind of like resume building, like we build a right. resume with God. Yes. You know, and so it, we look at this resume and we look at all of these things that we have done, all of these things he has taken us through. And so it helps you for that next moment, you know, when you have to make a decision, it's like, okay, if he got me through this surgery, then surely he can get me through this. Right. And so, you know, that's the, the mindset. That's why reflection is good, <laughs> you know, to reflect. It is. And think on his so when you were talking about going through the divorce and how you felt with that religious mindset, it made me think about other caregivers and decisions that have to be made. Do you think the confusion comes up um, from, when it mean, from what it means to be a child of God or a good Christian that might add that extra stress on those decisions having to be made by caregivers? Absolutely. It's, it's, it's about faith, religion, when, and I don't understand it, you know, mm -hmm. religion say, it's kind of like, okay, how, don't you have faith, enough faith in God to mm -hmm. believe right. <laughs> that he can do this, that you have enough faith to believe, you know, so, um, but absolutely, it's, it's that the religion that don't allow you to just be human. <laughs> right. And to make human decisions or make possibly as a caregiver, you know, it can make you feel even afraid to say, I'm just tired today. Right. I don't want to do this today. It's like, what? Don't you love your mom? Mm -hmm. You know, it has nothing to do with my love for my mom, you know. Right. So religion don't allow you to just be human, you know, and we, and I believe that freedom and transparency, those things are big for me. Mm -hmm. Like my, one of my core values is transparency. And so I realized that when I'm in any type of situations and I'm not allowed to be transparent or free, mm -hmm. that's very uncomfortable for me. You know, and we know that religion don't necessarily teach you to be transparent. You know, it's that fake it till you make it mentality. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and so we just get used to just operating in fakeness mm -hmm. and not even true faith. 
right. because you don't want anyone to see your vulnerability, you know, exactly. um, it's like you're afraid to show the things that you really need healing, the areas where you really need healing or help or whatever, you know, so I'm just glad to be free from it all. Oh <laughs> my all I- yes. And I totally, again, once again, it's like <laughs> this parallel uh, journey because I just today, in fact, I was chatting with some friends, texting some friends and just telling them, you know, I had a situation come up that I asked for prayers and I never would have done that before. I was too, I don't know, embarrassed or shy to say, you know, there's so many things going on in the world. I'm not going to ask just for this one little thing. What can he do for this one little thing or what should he do for this one little thing? And it's that vulnerable being vulnerable it's very mm-hmm. scary to be vulnerable and and then once I explained and and shared the moment it felt yeah. different I felt good it was like I wasn't hiding something I wasn't trying to be anything else but a real human who was yeah. scared of a pending situation and yeah. the prayers coming back knowing that someone else gets that and they're there and they love you and just the same. It It's a feeling of freedom, release. Absolutely. I can be Absolutely. human and be vulnerable and not care about being judged. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. One of the, the smallest things, the smallest things that I do in helping women are almost like the biggest things. So one thing... So for an example, in in religion, for some reason it's always a hairy to do something. Just right. just say if I'm if I'm a smoker, mm-hmm. you know, that's my thing. And I'm struggling. I really want to stop, but I'm struggling. And religion says, you need to stop. You need to, you know, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so that pressure don't make it any easier. Right. It does. Versus saying to someone. Like the main thing, I, whenever um, anyone that I'm working with, if they're experiencing something, I'm always, you know, you have to give yourself time. Give yourself a time limit. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to tell you to just stop. You know, if you're in a relationship, you know, you need to get out of unless you're being beat or something like that. You know, OK, then you need to just go. But right. you still have to you have to be in the right frame of mind to make a long lasting decision. It's never good to make a decision when you are emotional, irrational, mm-hmm. you know, you have to make a decision when you're at a calm, you know, have some peace and then you make a decision. But religion teaches you to just do it, just get rid of it, just stop it, you know, right. but that's not God. He's, he's a graceful God. He's a merciful God, mm-hmm. you know? And so when you give people that grace, you know, and compassion, that's what really helped them to transform or to get out of certain addictions or whatever. Sometimes you have to sit in it, whatever. Sometimes you have to allow yourself to just sit in it and feel the emotions of whatever it is, you know, and that's when you can make decisions. But when you try to just hurry up and do something just because religious says this is the wrong thing to do, eventually you're going to go right back to it. Exactly. 
you're not really quitting it for yourself or stopping it for yourself. You're stopping it for someone else, which brings us back to the people pleasing and exactly. leaves you being resentful and not mm -hmm. feeling full. You're exactly. lonely, you're empty, and you can't figure out why, mm -hmm. you know. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what we all need right now. We all need that right now, just even with everything that's going on. We need to be patient with people. We need to be understanding. We need to learn to listen. You know, you have the vaccinated against the unvaccinated. You yes. have, you know, just yes. so much division, you know, and um, so this is this is where I can see more than ever where spiritual maturity is needed. Absolutely. In the world. You know, um, that that's God's will for all of us to be spiritually and naturally mature. Yes. You know, so that we can walk in love and so that we can come and we can grow in faith and grow in knowledge. And that's really what it's about. Have some, we need some high vibrating energy. It's so much low. <laughs> so, yes. so just, just, it's, oh God, help us all. <laughs> I is all I can say. <laughs> But we can only start with ourselves and our household, mm -hmm. you know, and control what we can control. Exactly. That's all we can do. Mm -hmm. That perfectly said. Well said. So how do our listeners find your books? I know the flaws will be released later, but how do they go about finding From Defeat to Victory at the very least? They can definitely find From Defeat to Victory on Amazon, From Defeat to Victory. It's the numeral two, mm -hmm. From Defeat, numeral two, Victory. And it's been revised, so revised. So if you see the first book, it's in like red, black and white, but the revised book, it's pink, it's more colorful. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> um, and so, but I think Amazon kind of explains that. They can find it on Amazon as well as my website, from victory.com. My website is under construction. Hopefully by the end of the week, it would be up and running, but I'm on social media sites as well. Instagram, from defeat to victory, underscore LLC. Um, Facebook, from defeat to victory, um, and Simone Smith. You can find me in all of those places. Okay. And we'll definitely be sure to post it on the blog so that people can find the information um, as it gets updated as well. So Simone, this has been great. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your journey with us. I really appreciate you. And I'm so glad we were able to connect and so how much. brief that phone call was, but it meant so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I had no idea how the conversation would go, but I am absolutely blessed by this conversation today. And I hope that there's someone out there that's blessed by it as well. I had my questions lined up for you, but you know what? I trusted and I just let it be spirit led. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining in and listening with us today. You can find more about this topic on the blog at jessicalazelcannon.com. I hope this gave you some more food for thought. And until next time, be proactive. Take care, everybody.
Thank you for joining us today. We really hope you've enjoyed this episode. To learn more about proactive caregiving and to hear other episodes of this podcast, please visit www.jessicalizellcannon.com. This podcast is produced by Canon Light Media, LLC, www.canonlightmedia.com. Music provided by Chris Paradise. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 